Hi, everyone. You're listening to Who I Met Today, and I'm your host, Pam Lamp. I'm all about doing one tiny new thing every single day. And on this podcast, I invite you to come along with me and discover something new through conversations with people from all walks of life. I hope you enjoy listening to these interviews and exploring new territory with me. For more people stories and episodes, please visit my website, whoimettoday.com. My guest today is Anne McMeans. Anne retired last year from her role as a senior dietitian and nutrition research manager at the Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas. Prior job responsibilities included managing and serving as a co-investigator in pediatric and adult nutrition research in the Clinical Research Center at Texas Children's Hospital and in the USDA Children's Nutrition Research Center. She's currently working part-time as a pediatric gastrointestinal research dietitian with Baylor. Hi, Anne. I appreciate you being here today. Thanks, Pam. I'm happy to be here. And we hear the same health advice over and over again. Get moving, eat as many fruits and vegetables as we possibly can. And many people are trying to do just that. Can't wait to talk to you about plant-based eating. But before we jump in, could you give listeners a cocktail version of your background? Sure. I've been a registered dietitian for 41 years and have worked with adults and in the last 30 years worked in pediatrics with 23 of those years being focused on nutrition research and pediatrics and with some adults. And I'm still working part-time to help finish up one gastrointestinal study that I've been working on since 2017. And these are hospitals in Houston. How is the weather now? Well, I just looked. It's 97 and feels like 113. So, oh my word, you've had a br- <laughs> you've had a brutal summer. Well, let's get started. First of all, we're focusing on plants today, but can you break it down for us and tell us the difference between a vegan, a vegetarian, and a plant-focused diet? A vegan diet has absolutely no animal products in it. A vegetarian diet can and does have some animal product in it. You can have a lacto-ovo vegetarian, and that's someone that eats eggs and dairy. You can have either a lacto-vegetarian, which is dairy only, or an ovo-vegetarian, which is eggs only with the plant-based diet. And then the plant-based diet is primarily focused on a wide variety of plant-based foods, incorporating some animal proteins in there. So it's a plant-based diet, although still really, really healthy for you, is not quite as restrictive as the other two? Is that what I hear you saying? Right. Okay. So what foods would be included in a plant-focused diet? You're talking about whole grains, and there are a variety of whole grains, fruits, vegetables, nuts and seeds, beans, lentils, and herbs and spices. And then you also have the fill-in with some of the animal products. Okay. I'd like to know the benefits of eating a plant-based diet because that seems to be all the rage right now. It's not quite as restrictive as the vegan or vegetarian. And I'm just reading and hearing a lot about it. So what are the benefits? Why should we all 
try to structure our menus that way? Well, the plant-based diet is going to provide you with a lot of vitamins and minerals you won't get from just animal products. It's also plant-based foods are a great source of fiber, which helps you feel full and also helps your microbiome as well, which I know is in the news a lot more lately. Now, a friend of mine, a male, very healthy male, ate better than most. He had a heart attack at age 47. So he jumped into the plant-based eating frenzy. It's been 10 years. He has reduced his numbers. He's stringent about eating plant-focused. And I, if I had a heart attack, I'd be stringent too. But he has really turned his health around. He's lowered his cholesterol, his blood pressure. He's lost weight. So... The plant-based diet also, I'm gathering from that, helps to do all those things. Is that correct? That's right. I have seen that happen with other people who have really changed their diet to more plant-based. If they do get, they lose weight because fruits and vegetables are very low in calories compared to a lot of the typical American foods we would eat, snack foods and things like that. And also much lower in calories than a lot of meat. So sure, you can definitely get a lot of health benefits from switching over, particularly with the lowering of the cholesterol because you're not eating as many animal products that are high in saturated fat. You're eating more foods. For instance, avocados are high in monounsaturated fats, which are better for your cholesterol. So yeah, you can definitely see a big health difference and the weight loss for sure. And fruits and vegetables also have, if that's making up the bulk of your diet, anti-inflammatory properties, I've read. Right. Yeah. And so do the whole grains, so do the nuts and seeds. And the fiber helps you feel fuller, too. There's a lot of research now going on about the microbiome as well, which is very important for our health. And that Tell, tell me what that is. Well, it's your gut. We have bacteria in our gut. And depending on what we're eating is how we're feeding that bacteria. The more fiber we have, the more diversity of bacteria we have, which is better for us in terms of the anti-inflammatory properties. So you want to really have a variety of different plant foods in your diet to increase the food that these bacteria eat. And there's a lot of information now about gut-brain interaction and how we feel, and it's all associated. So stress can cause problems with our gut. A healthy microbiome provides you know, better immunity responses and things like that. And you don't get a very good microbiome if you're not eating a lot of plant-based foods. When you say a lot... What do you recommend people aim for if they are concentrating on a plant-based diet as far as how many fruits and vegetables a day? I think at minimum, maybe six a day, six okay. or seven, if you really want to focus on that. And it's not huge quantities, but the thinking was four to five a day, and I would go higher than that and really make the plant-based foods the higher portion of food you're eating in a day and the animal products, the lower portion in a day. Well, let's talk examples because you don't have to have just a plate of vegetables for your meals. And I know that you follow 
primarily a plant-based diet. So can you give listeners an example of breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and what might a plant-based menu include? Let's talk about some of the possibilities. So here's an example of something I might eat in a day. For instance, oatmeal, just plain oatmeal, which you can cook in the microwave, not the instant kind because it's got some sodium in it, but just the regular. Old-fashioned? Yeah, old-fashioned oatmeal. You can cook it in the microwave. It takes two and a half minutes. I put a heaping spoon of chia seeds in, which has essential fatty acids in it. I cook it. And when you cook the oatmeal with the chia seeds in it, it makes them more gelatinous. So it it makes it even more filling. And chia seeds are loaded with nutrients. And then I take a handful of blueberries and some cut up strawberries and throw it on there. And that would be a breakfast for me. I might put a little bit of honey in it just to sweeten it, but not very much. And then lunch might be whole wheat pita bread spread with hummus and throw in some avocado, some either arugula or lettuce, depending on what I have, tomatoes, anything else you want to add to it. I mean, you know, it's it's fun to do because you can add different things and try it out. Maybe some different kinds of seeds, like add pumpkin seeds to it or something like that. And then dinner might be a more vegetarian type meal with whole grain pasta and maybe some sweet peas and asparagus sort of sauteed and thrown together with maybe a little bit of feta cheese or something with it. Because I do eat animal products as well. I just, Mm -hmm. it's not my main focus. What about flax seeds? Are those as healthy as chia seeds? I would say they're fairly equivalent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's fun to experiment with some of the different grains. I know we've tried quinoa and is it farro? Is that how you pronounce that? Mm -hmm. Couscous and chickpeas and, of course, black beans and red beans and that sort of thing. Is there a nutrition hierarchy among the different grains? Well, some are higher in proteins than other, like quinoa, but they all are higher. You know, they're all good sources of protein. They're all good sources of vitamins and minerals. I wouldn't say there's a hierarchy per se, but I think what people need to focus on is whole grain, not like white flour things, whole grain. There's also millet, which is a cornmeal. There's red rice you could do instead of brown or white rice. There's spelt flour, which is high in protein, buckwheat, which is gluten-free and high in fiber. There are a lot of different other things you can do, but they all are a good source of protein. And amaranth is another one you can use as a flour. It's high in protein. You can add these kind of things, like mix it like with whole wheat flour partially and maybe make muffins or pancakes or something like that instead of just using white flour or whole wheat. If you add something like amaranth or buckwheat, it gives you more fiber and protein. Okay. I've not heard of amaranth. Can you spell Mm -hmm. that? A-M-A-R-A-N-T-H. I'm not familiar with that. I'll have to look that up. Something that my daughter-in-law makes a lot that I've started making is quinoa and then you roast sweet potatoes and you can mix that together and maybe make a little cilantro sauce with some Greek yogurt and have that. And she doesn't like beans, 
she serves it with beans for the family, but she just eats hers with the sweet potatoes and the quinoa and some cilantro and avocado. So you don't have to do beans. You have to be creative and think about, okay, what do I want to eat with this grain? And you don't have to eat the beans with the grains, particularly some of the grains like quinoa or a complete protein. So you might want to do something like saute a bunch of vegetables to go with it. For instance, like some red red and green peppers and onion with garlic, saute that in some olive oil and mix that with the quinoa. And if you're doing some animal-based food, you could do maybe some of the cojita Mexican cheese that's a little lower in fat or something like that. That's a great idea. Now, what about nutritional yeast? I don't use that very often, but I do have a couple of recipes from a vegetarian cookbook that I like that call for nutritional yeast. How do you feel about that as a protein source? It's a very good protein source. Okay. If a vegan is using it, it needs to be fortified with vitamin B12, but it is a good source of protein. Okay. I personally don't use it because I do eat my partner is more of a meat eater than me. So I tend to have more animal proteins than I would normally if I lived by myself. But it's definitely, and it adds flavor. It has fiber in it. No, it's a good source of nutrition. The cookbook I was referring to is called The Weekday Vegetarian by Jenny Rosenbrock. I really hope I got her name correct there. I'll put that in the show notes too. But a lot of her recipes are... They're delicious, but they use a lot of cheese. And I know that's high in calories, but I know that's a protein source, also a fat source. And I wonder if I'm kind of, by using a lot of cheese, if I'm not defeating the purpose and eating. um, Cheeses like meats have saturated fat in them. So that is one thing about vegetarian diets that can be a negative is you find yourself eating a lot of cheese. Mm -hmm. but There are, you know, there are options you can make like a cashew cheese if you want to do something more vegan to make it healthier. And that's in the book that I'm going to recommend. There's a recipe for that where you blend up the cashews and it makes it sort of creamy and turns it into more of a cheesy type thing. My whole philosophy is moderation. If you're eating a meal with cheese in it once a week as a vegetarian option, I don't see that as a problem. If you're eating a lot of cheese every day thinking you're doing yourself a favor because you're not eating you know, as much red meat, you may not be. Okay, good to know. And do you meal prep? And, and I'll tell you the reason I'll, I'm asking you that, and then maybe that will help you with your answer. I think for me, eating more plant-based I have to be more organized. I can't just go to the grocery store on autopilot. I have to really look and really think about what I'm going to make for the week and get my list organized, kind of have a plan, because I think it is a little tougher than just grabbing chicken breasts and some rice and a vegetable and calling it done. Would you agree with that? Yes. And you do have to plan. What I do, for instance, if I make some kind of grain, I'll make more of it than I would eat in that meal and freeze it so that I don't have to cook it every time. Like brown rice I use, you know, when I use it, I will make enough that there's enough to freeze. And then I can pull it out in a few weeks and use it for another meal. And that saves me some time. But I, you do have to be thinking ahead and planning 
you know, it's so easy just to go into the store and pick up, as you said, some type of animal protein, a starch and a vegetable. And you do have to really think more about how you're going to eat for that week if you really want to be more Mm plant-based. And vegans even more so have to do that because they're not using any animal products at all. I found a link from Eating Well that I'm going to include, and it's a seven-day eating plan. And of course, you don't need to follow it exactly. I sure won't, but it gives you options and suggests how to do the meal prepping so you can kind of get ahead by a few days. And they had, I thought, things that sounded good. Black bean nacho soup, mushroom casserole, arugula pasta, I wasn't so sure about the cabbage steak, but I thought <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a good jumping off point, and I'm kind of excited to try some of their recipes. One thing that I do do is I buy fresh fruits that are in season. Like right now, they have really good pineapples at my grocery store and cantaloupe and watermelon because, you know, I live in Texas. So I will buy them and I will cut them up into sizes that are easy just to get a bowl, put some in it, and I use it for snacks. I cut it up. I usually have two to three fruits going at a time in my refrigerator. So if I want a snack in the afternoon, I'll go and grab a few pieces of watermelon or I'll mix up some watermelon and pineapple. Sometimes for breakfast, I will make a bowl of mixed fruit to eat. I keep blueberries all the time. Right now, cherries are in season, so I keep those. And I wash them when I bring them home from the grocery store and lay them out on a paper towel to get them dry so that I don't go, oh, well, those aren't clean. I'm not going to eat them. I know they're clean. I do it with strawberries too. And a little trick with strawberries, if you put them on the green part and set them up, they get dry faster instead of laying them on their side. And I keep all of that. Like I've got strawberries, blueberries, cut up pineapple and cut up cantaloupe in my refrigerator right now. I just finished the cherries. So I need to get some more, but that's a great way to enhance your plant-based diet by having those available and easy. And it's easy to cut up a pineapple. If you don't want to do that, it's more expensive, but you can buy it already cut up at the grocery store. You can buy cut up watermelon at the grocery store. I buy the fruit and cut it up because it's less expensive. And I'm always about saving money. And if you buy the fruits that are in season, they're going to be less expensive than the fruits that aren't in season. What about frozen fruit, Anne? Frozen fruit is good too. Frozen fruit, particularly the ones that don't have sugar in them, are a great substitute. Sometimes I'll buy blueberries if the blueberries don't look good. Then you've got them available all the time. Same thing with frozen vegetables. They are a great source, particularly for people that aren't used to cooking a lot or they end up going out to dinner and the vegetables they buy go bad. If you buy frozen vegetables, they've been flash frozen so that they have high nutritional value and they're there, they're in your freezer. And I buy different frozen vegetables sometimes if I'm like out all day and I come home and I go, okay, I need some kind of vegetable to throw in here. What do I have? And I always have something in there in the freezer. Let me ask you this. Do you eat sugar? I do, but not a lot. And I miss desserts, if I'm really being careful. A lot of the recipes call for maple syrup rather than regular sugar or turbinado sugar instead or vegan chocolate chips. Now, when you use those things, how much better are they for you 
than actual table sugar? Well, it depends on what's in the vegan chocolate chips, but sugar is sugar. Once it goes into your body, it's going to be processed as a sugar. I don't like sugar substitutes, okay. for instance, and I'm talking about things like sucralose and things like that because they, I think they impact your microbiome negatively. But if I'm cooking something like a dessert, I'll use sugar, but I don't make desserts very often. And some good ideas for desserts, if you're looking for something healthier, is something like chia seed pudding, which you can make with very little sweetener and you can use the maple syrup. The cookbook that I'm going to recommend to you also talks about using dates as a sweetener, like pureeing them and mashing them up and using dates as a sweetener if you're trying to get away from the sugar. But I personally, and I know a lot of people have strong feelings about not eating any white processed sugar, but you know, brown sugar is another option, but it's processed to a certain point too. I just think we need moderation. And if you're only doing it every once in a while, I don't think it really matters. I was afraid that the recipe for the, quote, plant-based cookies that I've been making on repeat were probably not as wonderful as the recipe touted that they were, because they have some stuff in there I shouldn't be eating. What do you think about the hamburgers, the fake hamburgers, impossible burgers or plant-based burgers or that sort of thing? Well, they are ultra-processed foods. Mm -hmm. So I think one thing that people that are going plant-based need to understand is they shouldn't just be going to the grocery store and buying the vegan cheese and the vegan hamburger or the impossible meat or the vegan bacon or the vegan hot dogs, because those are all ultra-processed foods, which are made with a lot more non-natural substances that are higher in sodium, fats, things like that. They're made to be tasty and industry makes them to be tasty by adding a lot of extra things to them. So I think if you're going to go with a veggie type burger, you should make it homemade. Mm -hmm. And the one of the cookbooks the Weekday Vegetarians has a very labor-intensive veggie burger recipe right. in it, but they're so good. And if I'm yeah. going to make a mess and destroy my kitchen, I'll make a couple batches and then we have them for quite a while. Right. Well, let's talk cookbooks. You said you had one that you like. I do. It's by a dietitian, and mm -hmm. she's actually English. And her name is Megan M-E-G-A-N, Rossi, R-O-S-S-I. She has a PhD in nutrition. She focuses on gut health. And she has this book called Eat More, Live Well. It's about eating a plant-based diet. And not only does she have good recipes in it that she's developed, but she also spends a lot of time talking about why a plant-based diet is so good for you and breaks it down into the antioxidants. She talks a lot about your microbiome and how helpful a plant-based diet is for that and about how her patients, her clients that come in to work with her because they're not feeling good and their diet's not very good. You know, she talks about how just making these changes can help them feel better and really that it doesn't take a lot more time once you get used to prepping the foods and things like that. 
she has case studies. And as a research dietitian, I love research. And she's really looked at this in terms of how it's helping her patients. The recipes are good. I made one of her bread recipes because even when you buy healthy bread at the grocery store, what I would call healthy bread at the grocery store, it has sugar in it. Mm -hmm. And I try to avoid buying foods that have sugar, but it's very hard to find a bread that doesn't have sugar in it. You know, I don't think sugar in itself is our enemy, but I think companies are now putting sugar in so many things as a taste thing that it's getting a little out of hand. You know, it didn't even occur to me they'd be putting sugar in bread because if you make homemade bread, you don't put sugar in it. Even like pretzels, I was looking at a bag of pretzels one day and they had sugar in them. And you wouldn't think plain pretzels, salted pretzels had sugar in them. I was using that as, you know, something to have maybe with a sandwich when I was working and I was packing my lunch every day. And I stopped buying them because of the sugar. I've really learned to read labels because, like you said, they're sneaking sugar in everywhere. I know peanut butter often has it, but you can easily find peanut butter that doesn't have sugar. We switched our yogurt a few years ago because I discovered that basically we were having cupcakes for breakfast (laughs) with with our yogurt. And that's why it was that's why it was so good. We loved it. It was some coconut variety. And I started really looking at the label and almost died. But applesauce, (laughs) salad dressings, pasta sauces, ketchup. Right. It's amazing how you can eliminate sugar just by checking out the labels. My younger son a few years ago who used to be the pickiest eater in the world, bar none. He (laughs) married a vegetarian and they now eat primarily vegetarian. And he uses the New York Times cooking app. It costs, I think, $5 a month. So he shared his password with me. And I use that app all the time for recipes because they have vegan recipes. They have vegetarian recipes. I like to cook a lot of fish. They have a lot of really good fish and shrimp recipes. So I get a lot of my vegan and vegetarian recipes from there and have found them to be like a lot of like chickpea curry dishes, things like that, particularly stews in the winter that are vegan and it's a great source of recipes because they have so many different people developing the recipes. I'll have to check that out. My friend that had the heart attack had recommended the cookbook called Forks Over Knives. Are you familiar with that? I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. He swears by that. And it has a lot of chickpea salad recipes and stews and some desserts. And it it looks like a good one. I have not tried it out yet, but it definitely looks like a good one. And what about the folks who are concerned? I know we've touched on protein, but what about the ones that are concerned that they're not going to get enough protein by eating this way? Well, we get so much more protein than we need in a day, typically, with the way that we eat as Americans, that All of these foods that are recommended on a plant-based diet, including vegetables, the whole grains we're eating, are very good sources of protein. And we need 
0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight per day. So for instance, someone that weighs 125, like a woman that weighs 125 pounds would need about 45 grams of protein in a day. So if you're eating oatmeal, which has some protein, if you're eating legumes, if you're eating the quinoa, which is a really good source of protein, if you're eating whole grain pasta, there's probably three to four grams of protein. If you're eating anything like that, you're getting enough you're eating nuts and seeds, very good source of protein, which I highly encourage too is for snacks to eat nuts and seeds or to add them to salads because that's another good way if you don't want to add meat because that is a good source of protein. It's actually not very hard to get enough protein, but you do have to be like the nutritional yeast you were talking about is a good source of protein. I think it's got, I want to say like four grams of protein maybe in two tablespoons, something like that. Another one is edamame is a good one, you know, that I didn't mention. And tofu is a good source of protein. So there are a lot of ways to get protein in our diet and you can definitely get enough. And I could talk to you all day. I think this is fascinating and I appreciate all you've told us, but it's time for one new thing. Do you have something that you've done or discovered lately, tiny or small, that you'd like to share? Pickleball. Oh, pickleball. <laughs> I love it. Tell us about it. I started playing last year and took a few lessons, and I'm absolutely addicted to it. It's so much fun. My YMCA has indoor courts, so I don't have to play outside in this brutal heat. And I'm making lots of friends at the Y and it's been great because I'm transitioned into retirement, even though I'm doing a little part-time work that I have this activity that I can do where I'm meeting new people all the time. I love that. Do you play with anyone else you know, or do you just go to the Y and sign up to play? I sign up to play and it's, you don't know who you're going to play with. Okay. So you don't have to have a buddy that you go with. No, I just started going by myself. I met so many nice people playing and more and more people are getting interested in it. So they're coming and playing and it's just been a lot of fun. But, you know, people at a certain age level like mine have to be careful not to act like they're 25 years old because it's <laughs> It's easy to get hurt. <laughs> I just read the other day, it might have been in the New York Times, that the pickleball craze has been a boon to orthopedics. Yes. That a lot of people have been hurt playing pickleball. So you do have to be careful, but it's great exercise and easier than running or playing tennis. And well, good. I applaud you. That sounds like a, a great new thing. Thank you for sharing. Are you playing? You know, I have learned, I know how to play. I've taken a few clinics and I noticed not too long ago that our Y in Nashville has indoor courts and you do the same thing. You just sign up and they have pickleball from 10 to two. And I've been tempted. So I, I'd like to be more involved than I have been. Do it. I mean, that's, for me, it was now that I'm home all day, I need not to sit at home by myself all day. I need to go out and be around other people. And it's a and your podcast, you know, you never know who you're going to meet when you play pickleball. 
That's true. You've inspired me and motivated me. So I thank you for that. But be careful. (laughs) I will. I will. Thank you so much for being here today, Anne. I really enjoyed talking with you. It was great. I really enjoyed it too. Well, that's it for today's show. A huge thank you to Anne for joining me. If you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you did, I hope you'll listen to other episodes and spread the word about this new show. A huge thank you to Brian at Top Tier Audio for his advice and guidance. And thanks to you for tuning in. And remember, I'd love to hear from you if you discover a fun new thing. My email is pam at whoimettoday.com.